I'm excited because I do believe God has a word for us this morning. Found in the book of Mark chapter 9 and verse 25 through 29. I'm going to ask that you may stand to your full posture as we get into God's word this morning. Mark chapter 9, and when you get it, let me hear you say amen. Some of you all didn't get it that fast. Come on now. Give you a few more minutes. Mark chapter 9 and verse 25. I want to read in your, in your hearing this morning from the word of God. Let us pray. Father, we dare not start this moment without inviting your presence and your blessing. We thank you for each person that is in here today because they're not here by happenstance or by coincidence. But your Holy Spirit orchestrated this moment, even before the world was created, that they which are not saved may be given an opportunity to be saved. So, Father, we pray, bless the preacher and bless the people, but we ask that the Holy Spirit may elevate and emancipate those in the audience. Walk up and down these aisles today. We thank you in Jesus' name. Let the people of God say amen. Mark chapter 9 and verse 25, and the word of God says, When Jesus saw the crowd was rapidly coming together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you to come out of him and never enter him again. And he came out of him, shirking and convoking him violently. The boy began, became like a corpse, so many said that he was dead. But Jesus, taking him by the hand, raised him up. He stood up, and after he went into the, into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why couldn't we drive it out? Let me read it again in your hearing. And after he went into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why couldn't we drive him out? Some version says, cast him out. And Jesus says in verse 29, and he told them that this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. If you just allow me this morning, I just want to preach to you from the sermon entitled, We Need More Power. You may be seated in the presence of Jehovah. We need more power. The story is told of a father who had no joy and no peace. Unlike most of us who can enjoy Thanksgiving, Easter, and the Christmas holidays, his life was miserable. He couldn't enjoy the Passover, the Pentecost, or even the year of Jubilee. His life was in shambles and ruins. But like on, unlike most of us, both this man and his son was denied the privileges that many of us now have. He had to stand and watch other children enjoy their Christmas and their holidays. The worst thing that could have ever happened to any child has happened to this man's son. Can you imagine while at night the man is sleeping, he hears his son screaming because he is demon possessed. Can you imagine at the dinner table while they are eating, the boy begins to foam at the mouth in front of family members and friends. Can you imagine while a father tries to give his son a shower, he submerges himself under water to kill himself. The terror that this man must have felt in his own home is inconceivable. Terror by day and 
problems by night has drained this man of his vigor. The constant contingency with evil spirits has made him afraid and anxious. His anxiety has worn him out and his manhood has been stupefied. His confidence is now shot because his son is beyond abnormal. He is left by himself because no one wants to babysit a boy that is demon possessed. The doctors have even told him that there is no cure for his son's ailment and he's beyond medical treatment. The Bible doesn't tell us exactly how the boy got possessed but the fact is that the boy has a serious problem which leads me to ask the question what could a child do to get demon possessed? Normally in scripture Adults are the ones that are demon-possessed, but what could a child do to invite such a demonic influence in his life? Or maybe someone else has placed this child in this predicament. We don't know if the boy was molested as a child. We don't know if someone at church had sexually abused him. We're not sure if the father exposed him to witchcraft, sorcery, or necromancy. The Bible doesn't tell us exactly how the boy got possessed, but the fact is this boy is now dealing with the devil. And some of us in here this morning are still dealing with things because of things that someone has exposed us to as children. Some of us are still struggling with identity still struggling with insecurities and with immorality and we often hand our children over to Satan like this man we expose them to sensual and to sexual music we expose them to demonic TV shows and scary movies we expose them to immorality and indecency and like this man Satan has come into many of our homes and we can't seem to get him out but don't worry, saving grace. God has not forgotten you. Hallelujah. One minute, the boy seems normal. But next minute, he's foaming at the mouth. One minute, he's calm and collected. The next minute, he's uncontrollable. One minute, he's at peace. The next minute, he's disturbed. One minute, he is ease at ease. The next minute, he's distressed. One minute, he's secured. The next minute, he's agitated. The boy's unpredictable. No one knows when the devil is going to strike. The father is always on the edge, and his blood pressure has skyrocketed. He's always living in terror and fear because his enemy is someone that he cannot see. The man's life has become a mockery to all those around him. The father brings his boy to church and the church can't help him. The church, which is supposed to provide healing. Are you with me this morning? The church, which is supposed to be a house of prayer. The church which is supposed to be a place of deliverance. The church was supposed to be a place of comfort, a place of refuge. How often do people come to us hoping finding to find deliverance, but they leave disappointed because there is no real power among God's people. There is singing, but there is no power. There is preaching, but there is no power. There is praying, but there is no power. He leaves disappointed, but this man is still in need of power. 
He is sunken low into despair, but he remembers that Jesus is the reason for the season. His son is messed up, but the son of God is fixed up. His son is deformed, but the son of God is divine. His son is terrorized, but his son of God is triumphant. His son is defeated, but the other son is victorious. Isaiah says, for unto us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. They shall call him Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. The man begins to search for Jesus, and he says to himself, I need to find this man named Jesus. I don't know about you this morning, but I need Jesus too. I need him in the morning, and I need him in the evening. I need Jesus every hour. This man cannot rest because the enemy has made his life a mess. People are talking about him, about this man, and the more they talk about this man is the more he's coming to Jesus. Some of us don't want to come to Jesus because we don't want people to know about our problems. But don't worry about what hypocrites say about you. You're always going to have hypocrite there and hypocrite here. But don't worry about what people say about you because you need a breakthrough. Some of Sometimes our prayers are not answered, not because God doesn't want to answer it, but because we won't come to Jesus. We use the excuse that we need to get ourselves right before coming to Christ as if you can make yourself right. But you got to come to Jesus so he can fix you up. You don't go to the hospital. You don't make yourself well before you go to the hospital. But you go to the hospital to get well. But we use the same excuse not to come to Jesus. The more they talk about this man was the more he pushed. The more they laughed at him was the more this man pursued. They have, see, you have to be intentional about your blessing. When the man felt like giving up, the man kept pushing and praying and praying and pushing. He kept pushing and praying and praying and pushing. And when you feel like giving up, you got to keep on praying and pushing and pushing and praying you gotta keep pushing and praying and praying and pushing his problem has made him persistent how many of you are tired this morning of the devil harassing you and bombarding you with problems while the problem is occurring at the base of the mountain jesus is being reaffirmed on the mountaintop Jesus is on his way down from the mountaintop and to deal with the problem of the boy. I don't know about you, but I'm always glad that Jesus is always willing to come down from the mountaintop to deal with my problems in the valley. Disciples are empowered on the mountain because they're going to face the devil in the valley. And your valley may be different. Your valley may be a bad marriage or 
bad children or poor health, but whatever your valley may be, Jesus is always willing to come down to deal with your problems in the valley. So here is the highlight in the text. We see there are two powers at war, the power of Satan versus the power of Christ, and both of them are now competing for supremacy. And some people are not praying because they feel like God is taking too long to answer their prayers. So some of us, we decide to go to the Obia man for power. Some of us are going to fortune tellers for power. Some of us are going to the newspaper, to horoscopes for power. But Jesus is the only one that has power. Christ is on his way down from the mountaintop. He sees the tumult, the uproar, and the disturbance of the people. Christ asks the question, what's going on here the man from the crowd says I brought my son to your disciples but they could not drive the demon out but why at this point in the disciples ministry they're not able to cast the demon out Jesus had already given them power over unclean spirits and sickness Ellen White says that before the man came that they were arguing who would be the greatest among them they were jealous of Peter's and James and John's absence with Jesus. So the feelings of superiority and self-exaltation was eminent among them. This may be the same reason why people aren't being delivered among God's people today. Too much dissension and too much discord, too much backbiting and too much hypocrisy. And when we indulge in these things, there is no power in the life of the Christian. The first lesson that we can learn from the text is that we always have to be ready to minister at all times. Christ tells the story of a servant who was not ready when the master came and he was beaten with many stripes. The sons of Sceva thought they were ready when they stood before the demons. But the demon says, Paul, I know. And Peter, I know. And Jesus, I know. But who are you? Samson thought he was ready when he told the woman the source of his strength. But his eyes were blinded by the Philistines. No, the people in Noah's day, they thought they were ready. But when they saw the clouds came, they were filled with terror of the coming judgment. When Potiphar's wife tried to take Joseph's purity, she was unable because Joseph was ready. When God rained down water from the heaven, Noah and his family were saved because they were ready. When fire and brimstone was going to rain on Sodom, Lot and his family came out because they were ready. Do we have any ready Christians in here this morning? Ready for his second coming? Ready to meet the Lord in the air. We got to be ready. Second point we can learn from this. Because the disciples were unable to cast a demon out because they weren't praying. They stood powerless and weak because they were not connected to God. They had no power because they themselves were, they were looking for political power. Huh? Political power. They were powerless because they themselves became jealous and envious of each other. They stood powerless because they lost sight of eternal things and they placed their, their affections on temporal things. They stood powerless because two of them one wanted to sit on the right and the other wanted to sit on the left. 
They stood powerless because they wanted to be leaders, but no one wanted to be a servant. And see, when we don't pray, we become ashamed and frustrated. When we don't pray, we become abused and alienated. When we don't pray, we become bruised and battered. When we don't pray, we become confused and crippled. When we don't pray, we become discouraged and disheartened. When we don't pray, we become entangled and enraged. When we don't pray, we become fearful and frightened and greedy and guilty. When we don't pray, we become hard-hearted and hostile and injured and insane. When Jehoshaphat was faced with a letter from the king in his distress, the Bible says, he went down to the house of the Lord and he began to pray to his God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He said, you come with a shield and a sword, but we come in the name of the Lord. Because the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The name of the Lord is protection to all those that run in it. David was faced with Goliath. He prayed. And his enemy was given to him. When Israel was rebelling, Elijah prayed and the heavens were shut up for three and a half years. The Pharisees, the Bible says, are now using this occasion, the disciples' failure, as an opportunity to disapprove Jesus' identity as the Messiah. Are you with me this morning? They are trying to use the disciples' failure as a reflection of Jesus' limitation to handle a stronger demon. Their fault-finding attitude goes to show us that they were just as demon-possessed as the boy. Disciples' lack of purity gave the enemy an opportunity to bring reproach on the ministry of Christ. See, you, gotta, you and I got to be careful that our lack of purity don't bring shame on the ministry of Christ. Anybody listening to me this morning? Some of us are bringing shame on the ministry of Christ because of our double lifestyle. We do one thing at home and we do another thing at church. Giving the enemy an occasion to talk bad about the ministry of Jesus Christ. See, the day will come when it will really show if you're walking with Jesus. We can pretend to be followers of Christ, but the day will come when we will hear these words, Paul I know and Peter I know, but who are you? The crowd rushes over to where the disciples are standing. And they look with amazement, Leonard, at the poltergeist that has robbed this boy of his youth. They are deformed. The boy is deformed, disfigured, and flawed severe. Uneducated for most of his life. He can't fit in because of his condition. He's afflicted and tormented by something he didn't call upon himself. The family dysfunction has made this child a victim of Satan. And here is the problem that culminates in the text. There is no help found in Israel. There's a form of godliness, but there is no power. The fact that the boy has been suffering for so many years goes to show us the lack of true spirituality that was among God's people. And I believe this morning that God wants to heal us and do many miracles among us, but our lack of faith has hindered God's blessing. The man brings his son to Christ and begins to tell Christ about about his son's ailment that the Jesus rebukes them for their unbelief because if anyone needed deliverance they should have been able to find it in Israel Jesus rebukes their unbelief because they had access to power 
but they had no power. They were among the one who fed the 5,000. They were among the one who turned the water into wine. They were among the one who told the paralytic to stand up and take his bed and walk. They were among the one who walked on water. They were among the one who opened the eyes of the blind. They were among the one who raised the man from the dead. Yet, there was no power. See, demon possession is not always foaming at the mouth and rolling on the floor. But the boy's demon possession was a reflection of the nation's spiritual condition. The boys, their hypocrisy made them helpless to stand against the enemy. They could not cast the demon out because they themselves were held in bondage. Christ asks the man if he believes. The man responds, I believe, but help my unbelief. Some of us need Jesus to help our unbelief up in here this morning. Christ addresses the father's spiritual condition before he heals the boy. The boy's demon possession was a reflection of the father's spiritual state as well. So Christ asks the father if he believes because Jesus wanted to heal the father as much as the son. Though the father had no outward manifestation of demon possession, his soul was in bondage. The father is helpless and weak, but he finds strength in Jesus. How many of you know this morning that when you're weak, Jesus is strong? When you can't fight anymore, Jesus will fight for you. It's obvious that the father is not very spiritual, else he would not have asked Jesus to help his unbelief. But now the man is acting out of desperation do we have any desperate people in here this morning who just seek after Jesus the child is not healed not only because the disciples were lacking faith but because the father was lacking faith as well the Bible doesn't tell us how the man heard about Jesus but he decided to try him maybe the father heard the testimony of those who have been healed by Jesus and faith sprung up in him maybe he saw the woman with the issue of blood who became healed thanking God and praising God maybe he heard the testimony of the demoniac talking about this man named Jesus who set him free maybe he saw those who were dumb and blind singing and praising God and he decided to try Jesus the boy could not only be healed only on the behalf of his father's faith his deliverance could only come from intercession the boy would not have received deliverance unless the father had brought him to the deliverer he could not receive healing until he was brought to the healer how many of you this morning are bringing your children to Jesus how many are praying for their children Christ tells the father to bring the boy over to him the demon begins to convulse and shake the boy as if to intimidate Jesus but the prince of life who stood on the boat that morning and looked the wind and the waves in the eye and told her to shut up peace be still stood up in the young boy's life and looked the demon straight in the eye and told him to get up out of him never to enter him again Christ commanded the demon to come out of the boy the boy begins to shake and so violently that the people think that the boy is dead. Christ takes him by the hand and picks him up, signifying that he will personally deliver you and I 
from the enemy. When the devil knocks you down, Jesus will pick you up. When the devil plays with your mind, Jesus will straighten that old devil out. Disciples asked Christ, why couldn't we cast it out? Jesus' response was, some things can come only by prayer and fasting. What does he mean? Do we just need to pray more when we're facing trials and adversity? The third point I want to make this morning is that they could not cast the demon out because they were not united. Strife was among them. Discord was among them. Is there strife among us today? Is that the reason why God can't work among his people? People are not united because of things like who's a vegetarian and who's not a vegetarian. Some people are not united over things because they have a special chair in church. Some people are not united over jewelry or no jewelry. Some people are not united over the sanctuary or there is no real sanctuary. Some people are not united over prejudice in the church. Some people are not united because they wonder if women should have leadership position in God's church. Some people are not united over position and power. Some people are not united over wearing hats or not wearing hats. Some people are not united over wearing pants or not wearing pants. Some people are not united over drums or not wearing drums. Disciples were not united because they wanted the wrong kind of power. They wanted political power. They wanted power, but they did not want to be empowered by the Holy Ghost. But when the church is united, can I tell you about the church when it's united this morning? When the church is united, 3,000 is baptized in one day. When the church is united, the sick is made well. When the church is united, the people are raised from the dead. When the church is united, there is love and peace among God's people. When the church is united, there is healing everywhere. When the church is united, there are miracles among God's people. The sane, the insane becomes sane. The death begins to hear. The dumb begins to speak. The lame begins to walk. The blind begins to see. The possessed becomes free because there are power in unity. They could not cast the demon out because they were pushing for political power. They were pushing with the pride. They were pushing with prejudice. We see what happens when people are praying. Permit me to tell you this morning about prayer and fasting. I remember one morning when I woke up and a man had a gun to my face about to kill me that morning, but I prayed unto the Lord. I said, oh Lord, if you deliver me this morning, I'm going to serve you. And my prayer made a way. Can I tell you about Jesus this morning? When they David saw Goliath. Goliath thought he was just a boy, but David was a man of prayer. When Hezekiah was supposed to die, but he began to pray and he was healed. When Joshua marched around Jericho, he prayed and the city walls came down. When Samson prayed, his strength came back and he revived. When Jacob prayed, he became victorious over the angel. When Abraham prayed, he became the father of many nations. When Solomon prayed, he became the wisest man who ever lived. Pray without ceasing. Jesus is saying that our life should be one that is actuated by prayer. Don't just pray when you're in problems, 
but you got to pray all the time. Read all the time. Talk to Jesus all the time. And many of us are just praying when we're only in problems. But God don't want you to come to him when you're in problems. He wants to be your friend. The man came defeated, but he left a conqueror. He came disappointed, but he left jubilant. He came weak, but he left with power. He came distressed, disturbed, and discouraged, but he left happy, joyful, and empowered. The man understood that Jesus was the reason for the season. Because the brothers and sisters permit me to tell you this morning, Jesus wants us all to be united because one day the trumpet will sound and all the dead in Christ shall rise. Jesus is praying that we all may be one, one in attitude, one in body, one in character, and one in purpose. When Jesus comes, can I tell you about Jesus this morning? When Jesus comes, there will be no more AIDS, assaults, or ambush. No more backbiting, brokenness, or backstabbing. No more cancer, comedia, or classism. No more death, dysfunction, or disturbance. No more evil, exorcism, or extortion. No more fanatics, foolishness, or fantasies. No more guns, gangsters, or gangs. No more hypocrites, HIV, or hepatitis. No more insecurities, insanity, or indecency. When Jesus comes, there will be no more jealousy, killing, or KKK, or conniving. No more murder, mobs, or molestation. No more negativity, naivety, or narrow-mindedness. No more ostracizing obstacles or oppression. No more pollution, politics, or pornography. No more quarreling or quarantine. No more robbery. No more sin. No more revolt. No more stealing. No more Satan when he comes. When Jesus comes... There'll be no more terrorists, troublemakers, or timidness. No more undermining, unfairness, or unhappiness. No more vice, violence, or vindictiveness. No more wounds, whack wickedness, or wrong motives. No more yelling, and no more zeal. Can I tell you about Jesus this morning? Can I tell you about Jesus this morning? Well... When Jesus comes, uh, the Bible says uh, he mastered pneumatology when he healed a man of lung cancer. Jesus mastered chemistry when he turned water into wine. He mastered oceology when he walked on water. He mastered dermatology when he healed a leper. He mastered psychology when he healed a woman with at the well. He mastered sociology when he healed a demoniac and placed them back in society. He mastered pharmacology because he has a medicine cabinet in the hem of his garment. He mastered cardiology because he can put a new heart within you. He mastered pneumatology because he can breathe his Holy Ghost within you. He mastered hematology when he healed the woman with the issue of blood. He mastered ophthalmology when he opened the eyes of the blind. He mastered pathology when he healed Peter's mother-in-law. He mastered gonology when he opened Sarah's wound. He mastered thonology and zoology because he died on Friday and rose again early Sunday morning. How many of you know that Jesus has power? Power over negative emotions. Power to deliver you from HIV AIDS. Power over bad marriages. Power to love your enemy. Power to live a righteous life. Holy Ghost power. Cleansing power. Lifting power. Elevating power. 
pulling down power, blood wash power, sanctified power. Give me time to tell you, he can give you academic power, no political power, not ISIS power, not Obama's power, not Dick Cheney's power, not Clinton's power, not Democrats' power, not Republicans' power, but Holy Ghost power. How I many of you want Holy Ghost power in here this morning? Much power comes by praying. Jesus can give you power over everything. No matter what you're struggling with, Christ has paid it all at Calvary. Somebody this morning needs to know that Jesus can deliver you if your marriage is on the rocks. Or Jesus can put your marriage on the foundation that will never sink. Someone this morning has not given their life to Christ because they're too caught up with this world and we're playing around with the devil not realizing that we are still possessed with infatuations and sin. Jesus wants to deliver you too. Somebody this morning needs Jesus to intervene in their lives. I'm closing, brothers and sisters. I want to tell you that morning, when I was in Montego Bay, Jamaica, and I was with my friends, and we were doing some bad stuff. Pastor can't tell you about the bad stuff he's doing this morning, what he used to do. But I was doing bad stuff. And I tell you that night, I went to sleep, and I woke up the next morning. Play for me, brother. And I saw a man with a 38 pistol between my eyes. When I looked up, and I saw the man with the gun, I know the Lord was calling me for many years, but I kept on running. I kept running, running from Jesus. But when the man had the gun to my head, I said, Lord, I'm 13 years old and I'm about to die. But I sat on the bed and I heard a voice say to me, oh, Shane, it's too late. You're going to die now. It's time for you to go. Look how many opportunities God has given you and you have left him. So I prayed that morning. I sat on the bed and I said, Jesus. I know I haven't been living right, but I promise you, God, if you save my life this time, I'm going to serve you. When I prayed the first time, I felt like my prayer went up, hit the ceiling, and came back down. So I said, man, I need to keep on praying. So I prayed the second time. I said, Jesus, I promise you, if you save my life, I'm going to serve you. See, my prayer was not sincere. I just wanted to get out of trouble. But God don't want anybody to fake prayers this morning. He wants some real sincere prayers. So when I saw that I wasn't getting a breakthrough, I prayed a third time. As long as I was like a blind man, I said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. When I prayed the third time, my prayer went through the ceiling, went through the Milky Way, and got to the throne of grace. Here I stand this morning delivered because there is much power in prayer. Somebody needs power this morning. I'm closing with prayer. I pray even when the prayer is being said, if you feel the Holy Spirit moving you to still come down. I pray that even after the prayer, you may even come down and just even talk to me because Jesus wants you in his kingdom. 
The Bible says that when we see trials and tribulation, we know the coming of Christ is near. Jesus is on his way. Father God, we come to you this morning because we know that Jesus is about to come through Orion and melt the heavens and the firmament to Lord with fire. We know, God, that one day that the earth will be turned upside down and will be shaken, Father. We know that there will be a mighty earthquake when you come and graves will be opened up and the righteous will meet you in the air and those who are alive will be caught up. Father, there is someone in the audience today who's resisting and who's not listening to the Holy Ghost, but I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that you may break down every stronghold, everything that's preventing them. If it's money, tear it down. If it's woman, tear it down. If it's success, tear it down because we have nothing without Jesus. We're just in poverty without you. Father, I pray this morning that they may give their lives to you. I pray under the sound of my voice that your spirit may remove any unclean spirit that's in here that's preventing them. Give them Holy Ghost power, God. Give them sanctified power. Give them Holy Ghost power to strengthen them. I thank you for those who are here who publicly took a stand. I pray for those who didn't, that they may come around, Lord. That it may not be too late. I pray that, Lord, they may speak to one of the elders and nudge them. I thank you for the two that we have because the Bible says one soul is worth more than this whole world. So we have to have two souls. It's worth more than two worlds. Thank you, Jesus. We give you honor and praise. Thank you. In Jesus' name and the people of God say.